Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. Because here's the deal, nobody likes a selfish brat. And a kid that you keep giving things to and keep giving things to because they whine, nobody else likes them. And you know what? They don't end up liking themselves because they're never satisfied. Paul says, let me tell you about a life that's holy, acceptable, and satisfying, perfect. And that is, you've lived like Christ. Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. Have your Bibles with you. Please turn over to Romans chapter 12. Last week, I tried to speak to you about here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help, I'm come. And we find in that in the story of Samuel, that by the time Samuel declares those things, there have been some wondrous blessings in his personal life, in his ministry, and in the history of Israel, going all the way back to the Lord answering the prayer of his mother, who was barren for so very long. But Hannah had a child, and she devoted him to the Lord, and that young man was devoted to the Lord as well. And in that, we closed out by saying, if you'll see the summary of Samuel's life, now there's two complete books after 1 Samuel chapter 7, but it gives a summary of his life that he went through the area of the tribe of Benjamin, and he went from Ebenezer that he had set up, and he went over to Gilgal, where there was another memorial set up. And so throughout Samuel's ministry, he went from memorial to memorial, looking and remembering the blessings of God and ministered to the Lord's people. Something that's also important to remember is both of those memorials were set up with sacrifices, that the people sacrificed to God in thanksgiving for what God had delivered them through and also to make devotion to God to tell them that they are dedicating their lives to him because of his deliverance. When we come here to Romans chapter 12, we have the apostle Paul saying, I beseech you, therefore. He is saying, I have spent 11 chapters setting up a memorial of what God has done, therefore. So this is something that we are to remember. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say... Through the grace given unto me, 
to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This year, starting today, and hopefully you've done this already, I would like for you to prove what is that perfect and acceptable and good will of God in your life. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we need to prove to God how good we are so that he'll accept us? That's not what it says at all. As a matter of fact, Paul is making the exact opposite argument there. Are we to prove to others that we're children of God so they think more highly of us? No, he's not saying that at all. This is like if you took a geometry class, and this kind of frustrated me when I took geometry. They had something called a geometric proof. And I remember that the professor gave me the, the, uh, the problem that I was supposed to solve, and he gave me the answer. And I that just flabbergasted me. That I said, well, Mr. Ansley, that was, I remembered his name. That's always back in ninth grade. Mr. Ansley, you've given me the answer. And he said, yes, I know it's the correct answer, but do you? He said, you need to prove to yourself why that is the right answer. And so the Apostle Paul has called upon us to prove to ourselves why God, what he has said is true and why it is the source of all blessing in our life and all honor to God. He says, this is what we do, but here's the reason you do it. It is the only reasonable thing to do with your life. Everything else is unreasonable. That doesn't mean we're being ugly or anything like that. The word reasonable comes from the Greek word logos, which means logic. And so Paul is telling us the only logical thing to do for a born-again child of God is to prove these things to himself about God. If you want purpose in your life, Paul says it's right here. If you've made New Year's resolutions, that's great. I hope they fit with this. If they don't, I, do, I beseech you to change them <laughs> because the Apostle Paul has told us what the goal of our life ought to be. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, he doesn't say, I hope you become brethren in Christ. He is talking to those that have already been changed by the mighty power of God. He has taken, like I said, 11 chapters to prove to them that by the mercies of God. Now, I don't want to rip this particular verses out of context. We need to realize what the Apostle Paul has spent a laborious amount of time on. He started off this book by acknowledging that there was a problem in the church at Rome. They were divided. They were divided on racial lines. If we know history, then we know that there was a time where uh, Caesar kicked the Jews out of Rome and all the Christians had to go with it at some time. But in particular, he kicked the Jews out of Rome. Well, that Caesar died and other ones come in. The Jews are allowed to come back. Well, the culture of the church at Rome changed during that time. And so there's some tension there at the church at Rome. The source of all tension, though, is pride. It's people wanting their will, their way, what they're used to. You know, we would say we need to get out of our comfort zone. That's what Paul is saying, is when we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, we need to get out of our comfort zone because we're not doing these things for us. The apostle Paul 
teaches through those chapters that first of all, you're all rotten scoundrels. Without the grace of God in your life, you, you Gentiles, you're lost. Without the grace of God in your life, you Jews, you're lost. You're all totally depraved. You're useless to God. But by the mercies of God, you have been brought in. By the mercies of God, you have been unified into a single body of Christ. By the mercies of God, you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ freely by grace. And by the mercies of God, you have access by faith into that grace wherein you stand so that you can have the experience of justification by faith. It's all by the mercy of God. He even spends what is considered by some, including myself, a little bit of confusing time in Romans chapter 10. Asks a lot of questions and gives answers. And then comes to some conclusions in chapter 11 saying, it's not about anything that you have done. That's the conclusion that he comes to. You know, there's a lot of questions about Romans 10. If you've studied, if you've listened to the debates, is what's Paul talking about there? Well, Paul kind of obliterates all the arguments, and he says, God concluded you all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. So that tells me right there, my belief didn't cause a thing. Because some of us believe more than others. Some of us believe less than others. It is a fluctuating scale in our own lives. And so thanks be to God that it is not even my faithfulness and my perseverance and belief that makes this possible. It is all by the mercy of God. Amen. There was a point at which the Gentiles probably got a little bit arrogant. All those Jews were cut off so that, so that I could have these blessings. And Paul says, hey, you need to realize... Everything you got, you got from God. You didn't do it of yourselves. And he said, you can easily fall into unbelief as well. And so he encourages them to focus on the mercies of God. That's the reason I wanted to link this to my sermon last week. As this year unfolds, you need to reflect on the mercies of God. You know why? Because this year is going to be bad. That's not encouraging, Brother Bryce. If I had told you last year at the beginning of 2023 it was going to be the perfect year, I would have lied, wouldn't I? <laughs> Folks, we live in a sin-cursed earth. Bad things are going to happen. Until the Lord returns, there is going to be trouble. Jesus himself said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That is the mercies of God. So let's not put on rose-colored glasses, as the old song says, which means you ignore the bad stuff that's around and you act like nothing's wrong. Folks, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't tell us to ignore the facts of the horribleness that was around us. He told us to look to the mercies of God to deliver us from and through the daily trials that we have. So in this coming year, reflect Ebenezer. <laughs> Thus far, the Lord has led you on. You're still here. Some against doctor's orders. You're still here. <laughs> or what doctors would predict. God knows you. He loves you. And by his mercies, you have been given the breath that you have today. So by the mercies of God, not in your own will, not in your own power, 
but by the mercies of God that he's had in your life, you have now the power and the desire to do what he says, and that is to present your bodies a living sacrifice. To present your body a living sacrifice points back to those memorials. As I mentioned to you, there was a sacrifice given, an acknowledgement to the power of God in the lives of the children of Israel. Well, they were a type of us, the Israel of God. But God hasn't called upon us to kill an animal. God has called upon us to devote our lives as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, might I tell you, is a lot more difficult than dying for someone. We cannot die the death that Jesus Christ died and have that moment where we say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We cannot die for others to save them eternally and suffer in the, the way that Christ did during that time on the cross where the eternal wrath of God was placed upon him. We can't do that. We can take a bullet for somebody, and if we die, that's a quick transition. <laughs> and it's not very difficult. But to live for the Lord, that's a sacrifice. The Apostle Paul elsewhere in the Roman letter says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. That means we have to kill the things in our lives. That means the sacrifice that we are doing is a sacrifice of our own personal will, our own personal desires, that we are doing like what Hannah devoted her child to, and that is to the service to God. So this day, set up this memorial in your life. Make this sacrifice. Live for the Lord. Holy, acceptable, unto God. Does that tell me right there that Paul has commanded us to be holy and to be acceptable unto God? It does. Can I tell you the Apostle Paul is not going to tell you to do something that you cannot do? By the mercies of God, the born-again child of God can live a holy life. We can. Very often we don't. When we were dead in sin, we were slaves to sin and we couldn't live a holy life. But folks, we have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ applied to us in the new birth. We have been given faith and we can now be holy even as God is holy. Don't use what I call the lame excuse. I've used it as well, so I'm not just blaming you. Well, I can't live up to that standard, so I'm just going to give up. The Bible tells us that that is the standard and we ought to press toward that mark, not give up because we haven't made that mark because to say, well, I just can't do it is basically saying, God, you didn't give me enough. Like the disciples saying, Lord, we need more faith to do what you said. He said, no, you've got enough faith. You're just not using it. You know, sometimes the Bible's kind of rough. Doesn't leave room for excuses. If we say I can't, Christ says I did. We're not doing these things in order to gain the eternal favor of God. But we can do these things because we have the eternal favor of God. And he has called upon us to while we are here in this world to praise him and to live our lives wholly for him. That's why we're here. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are what God enjoys about his creation. 
You know, we worry about the future of America. Well, if God's people would act like God's people, we wouldn't need to worry about the future of America because God would be pleased to bless that land. Period. It ain't the wicked folks that messed up America. <laughs> it's God's people. Not living holy. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. See, Paul starts with, by the mercies of God, by telling you, you're not doing this in order to gain a relationship with God. You're not. You are doing this so that God would accept your life as honorable to him. There is sonship and then there is discipleship. Sonship, God has taken care of all of it. Just like your mom and dad made you. You had no decisions in it. You had no power in it. They're your parents because they're your parents. Creation. However, whether mom and dad like what you're doing is entirely up to you, isn't it? Are you acting like they have taught you and instructed you and have put in you to do so? Our heavenly father has put in us the ability and the desire to be holy. And so are we doing that? And if we are, then God finds that acceptable. Acceptable unto God. How many of you like having your earthly parents smile when you did something? Some of you, your earthly parents have gone home to be with the Lord, but still, there's some precious memories there, isn't there? Where you finally got it right. <laughs> and dad said, good job, son. Those are imperfect parents. But our perfect heavenly father is just as pleased. And he is pleased to bless that life and to have that fellowship and discipleship. So he says we are to present. There's a sacrifice. When we present ourselves, that takes some focus. That takes some preparation. That tells me that this is not something you just do haphazardly and say, all right, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna live for the Lord today. Do we know how to do that? Or can I tell you that there are some difficult parts of it because you need to read the word of God and it's big. But Paul is going to give us the basis for it and it's not difficult if you just do it. The problem is what he has called us to do. Before we get into that, I've already mentioned to you that it is your reasonable service. It's logical. I've given you this example before. If we were to walk onto Brother Brad's car lot and he had, y'all probably, some of y'all won't recognize this, if he had a used Yugo on his car lot. Not many of those, I don't even think there's any of those on the road anymore. <laughs> Horrible car built in Yugoslavia. But if Brother Brad had a Yugo, a used Yugo on his car lot, and he had on the window $100,000, how many of you would say that is a reasonable price? No, it's illogical. Those cars probably weren't worth a thousand bucks when they were built, much less a hundred thousand used. It's illogical. It's an unreasonable price. This is what Paul is talking about here. To say that God has called on us to do something and we don't want to do it, we're being unreasonable. We're being illogical. It's like paying a hundred thousand dollars for a used Yugo. We're being insane. We're not doing what God has designed us to do, what he changed us to do. We have been born again. 
We have been saved so that we can do this now. And when we don't, we feel weird. We, now we mask that. We find things in this world to try and satisfy that and to take away the guilt, take away the shame. We cover ourselves with fig leaves like Adam and Eve did, not realizing that the blood of Jesus Christ covers us and we just need to walk away from those things. The reason we don't feel right, the reason we're looking for something is because the answers aren't in the things of this world. We need to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth because that's reasonable. It's logical. It makes sense because God did all of these things for you. Now, I mentioned to you that part of that calling is difficult because it requires you reading the Word of God. That shouldn't be difficult. But it's difficult because we live in a day and age where people don't read very much anymore. We get a quick little snippet of news and we think that's the whole story. I remember reading a newspaper as a child and it would take two or three pages to get a whole story out of something that's presented on a cable network now in the space of about 30 seconds. Which one has the whole truth in it? So when it goes into the Word of God and you have, may have begun a reading plan, I encourage you in it. Even if you fall behind, just pick up where you left off. Keep reading the Word of God. So Brother Bryce, it's, it's long and there's a lot of details. If you could understand God in about 30 seconds, he's not worth worshiping. God is beyond your comprehension, but he has given us his Word so that you can comprehend some marvelous things about him. So read it. Be encouraged by it. It equips the man of God to be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If you're wondering what is the right thing to do, check the word of God. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world. If you find that people in the world never get upset with you, then you're like me. So often in my life, I have conformed too much of this world. I don't look any different than the world. I don't act any different than the world. The born-again child of God should stand out, not by posting things on Facebook, but simply in the way they react to day-to-day -day situations. We shouldn't react in haste and in anger. Those are the ways of the world. We should react in patience and in love. And so he says, transform, make a metamorphosis of your mind by the renewing, the renovation of your mind. Now, a good renovation cleans out the old stuff, doesn't it? I mean, you could do a renovation, and we have done that on our bathrooms here in the, the front of the church. I can, and the boys can honestly tell you that the, the women's restroom will probably last a little bit longer because we did more of a renovation of that room than we did of the men's. We tore out more of the old and put more new in. Whatever old things we keep in our lives, whatever old ways of thinking we have, those things can come back and pollute the new things that we're doing. Like putting new wine in an old bag, <laughs> in an old bottle, it, it bursts. It causes problems. So Paul says we need to renovate. We need to get these things, these old ways of thinking out of our minds. Men's philosophies, pride, personal desire. But let me tell you ahead of time, 
if we toss out our personal selfish desire, we're going to find that there's a personal desire that's not bad because it is the same mind of God. But I want you to notice that he focuses on the mind here. He says, this is how you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You have to renew your mind. You have to think differently. You have to fill your thoughts with different things than what's just being presented to you out there in the world and your current situation of life. As Paul Harvey said, you need to know the rest of the story. No matter what trials and troubles that we face in this life, Jesus has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus has promised to come back for us. That is not only the rest of the story, that's the whole story. So those that have a renewed mind can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Micah 6.8, there's a discussion that is spoken of between Balaam and Balak. Balak wanted to pay off Balaam to get him to prophesy for him. He wanted to use God to his advantage. You want to know why so many people fail at Christianity today? Because they want to use God to their advantage rather than submitting to God for his glory. Well, in that, here's the conclusion that Balaam came to. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. To do right to others to love mercy, to be merciful to others and walk humbly with thy God by the mercies of God. Prove what is good by living by what the Bible says is good. And it's acceptable. It makes sense. It's not only acceptable to God, but once you realize it, all of those arguments that people say, well, Christianity just limits you. You can't do what you want to do. Paul says, I want you to prove what you really want to do. And what you're going to find is that a Christian life is acceptable to you as well because it brings the, the peace that you're looking for that you couldn't find in the things of this world. And it's perfect. It's a complete life because it is the will of God in your life. Four, here is the premise, the whole thing that the Apostle Paul says, this is how you do it. Here is how you present your body a living sacrifice. You've got to renew your mind and you've got to think differently. And then he says, and here's what needs to go in your mind. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Mercy. He says, you need to realize that what you have, God has given you. He's dealt it to you. And he says, and here's how you renew your mind. Think of others. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Boy, that's a nice way of saying, quit being stuck up. Well, I'm not stuck up. If things that you do, listen to me real carefully, kids, because this is easy to understand. If the decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis are based solely upon, do I like doing what I'm doing? You're a selfish jerk, okay? Paul says, quit doing that. You're thinking way too highly of yourself. Think about what would be something that somebody else would like. When you're playing with your friends, what is the thing that they would like to do? Sacrifice your will for theirs and find that it's joyful. 
Because here's the deal. Nobody likes a selfish brat. And a kid that you keep giving things to and keep giving things to because they whine, nobody else likes them. And you know what? They don't end up liking themselves because they're never satisfied. Paul says, let me tell you about a life that's holy, acceptable, and satisfying. Perfect. And that is you've lived like Christ. That you've lived your life for the help and benefit of someone else. And so that brings peace. Well, Brother Bryce, that doesn't make much sense. I'm not getting my way. That's the old man talking. Paul says you need to prove what that new man inside you wants. That new man inside you wants to be like Jesus, wants you to act like Jesus. Because folks, even when he went to the cross, there in the moments before when he's in the garden, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And while he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. It was all about you. It was never about him. And in Isaiah 53, it said, and he saw the travail of his soul and was what? satisfied. While Jesus was on the cross, he was satisfied. Folks, he was in the middle of suffering and found peace. We can be in a life because we're not called upon to die. We're called upon to live, which means we can be satisfied and have joy. That's what I want for you in the coming year. We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all is our prayer.